Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, our Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. He is risen. Good. So far this Easter season, we've had many assurances from our Lord, especially concerning His resurrection. Last week, Jesus appeared to His disciples on the seashore. If you remember, Jesus asked Peter three times to affirm His love for Jesus. Peter does, and Jesus calls on him to feed and to tend His sheep. Then tells him that familiar phrase, follow me. We heard Jesus say, blessed are they who believe yet have not seen when he visited his disciples in the upper room. We heard his call then again to follow. We heard his blessing of peace be with you. Along with Thomas' proclamation as he saw the wounds of our risen Lord, my Lord and my God. We've seen Jesus prepare last week a meal for his disciples. We saw as he miraculously appeared the week before in that upper room. Behind locked doors, not once, but twice. How did he get there? We don't know. He was just there among them in their presence. Perhaps he was there the whole time. Kind of like he is with us. Unseen, but there. We have all of these assurances from our Lord. Just in these last two weeks, since Easter. And with all these assurances, isn't it, don't you find it a little bit, or very much so, difficult to believe or to doubt? Kind of hard to doubt with all these assurances, right? Maybe. No, it is easy for us to doubt. Disbelief is always lying in wait right outside the door of this church, ready to pounce. It lies in wait right outside the door of your home, maybe inside the door of your home, your workplace. Maybe it even followed you in here this morning. Doubt, unbelief. To be honest, I have no need except for my own pride pretend even as your pastor that I have no times of doubt or despair to say or pretend that I am a super apostle as St. Paul once said would be hypocritical and dishonest instead my prayers just like your prayers often include the words I believe help my unbelief I stand here in the pulpit and I look out and I wonder when people will be coming back to church. Some have been gone a little while. Some have been gone a long time. But when will they be coming back to receive God's gifts of word and sacrament? To be given the full measure of the means of grace. I see our numbers here. Our attendance here. It dwindles and it rises and then it dwindles again and I get excited and then not so much. And then again, and then not so much. I'm concerned when no one shows up to Bible study or to men's group, to women's group, to fellowship or potluck or whatever. I want to seek people out and ask them why. 
But I also don't want to be that harping pastor that runs people off because he's all up in their business. And it's hard when people get mad because the pastor didn't call when fill in the blank. Yet on the other hand, when's the last time any of us called checking up on anyone our brothers and sisters in Christ, let alone the pastor. Yes, maybe I am throwing a little bit of a pity party. That's really not my point or my desire. My point really is this. In all of this, where is Jesus? Where is He in all of that? Our heartache, our selfish pride, our need, our desires, our sufferings, our failures... My fellow doubters, take a little comfort from this. We are not alone. One winter day, Jesus was walking in the temple during the Feast of the Dedication. How are, as we know it from the Hebrew, Hanukkah. This was a feast to commemorate the rededication of the temple that had been previously desecrated by the Syrian king Antiochus Epiphanes, sweet guy, not really. You will not find this feast in the Old Testament because it's not there. Because this feast began during the period between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Some 160 years before Jesus. But you can read about it in the Apocrypha, the writings of the Jewish people during that period. And you can see it mentioned today In our gospel reading, Jesus obviously observed this holiday, or at least was present at the temple when it was celebrated. Let me give you a little history of this holiday. It goes something like this. The brutal Syrian king lashed out violently against the Jewish people. His name was Antiochus. But there were quite a few Syrian kings who had that name, so he took on an additional name, Epiphanes, To distinguish himself. Does that name sound familiar? Epiphanes? It should. It's the same Greek word where we get our season epiphany. And that's exactly why he chose it. Not because of the season of epiphany. Because of what the word means. It is a Greek word that refers to a manifestation. Specifically a manifestation of God. He was in effect calling himself Antiochus the God. And he did whatever he could to belittle, to undermine, offend, and to blaspheme God. He went into the temple, the Jewish temple, the holy temple, and sacrificed pigs on the altar. That was a big no-no. They were forbidden. He also set up a statue of Neptune in the temple. The desecration caused desolation. He ordered shrines to be set up in every town and village where the people would be forced to sacrifice to the Greek gods. To show their obedience to those gods, they would be forced to eat pork. Big no-no, right, for the Jewish people. But it was either eat or die. But finally, after a revolt, the Syrians were pushed out of Israel The temple was rededicated. The Jewish people rejoiced at the victory that God had given them. And the holiday of Hanukkah was born. So here, 
in our reading today are the Jews in that same temple complex during that same feast day while sacrifices, the, the slaughtering of sheep, not pigs, but sheep were being offered for the covering of sins was happening inside. People are moving in and out of the temple. The streets are probably busier than usual as people have come to celebrate God's faithfulness and their deliverance once again. And so these Jews, right outside the temple in Solomon's colonnade, they ask Jesus, how long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Question very fitting for that day. How so? Well, that Syrian king Epiphanes believed himself to be a manifestation of God. And he lorded that over the Jews. Now the Jews are asking Jesus if he is the Christ, the anointed one, the epiphany of God. Are you the Christ, the anointed? The Jews were asking a similar question to what we often ask. God, where are you? Where are you? My faith is weak and I need you to intervene. They were asking, are you the one who God has sent for our rescue and for our help? Will you be the one to rescue us? Just like God did when the temple was defiled and the Jewish people were being slaughtered and subjugated. Are you Emmanuel? God with us? I think if we're honest, they are saying the same thing that you and I do. God, why do you hide yourself? Why don't you just tell us plainly what you want us to know? Why do I have to go through this? Tell me plainly, please. Why are people not in your church? Why am I suffering so much? Why are so many people in our world turning against you? Why won't you tell me plainly? What did Jesus say to them? He says, I have. I told you, but you won't believe. Look at the things I do in my Father's name. They should prove to you who I am. But you do not believe. Because you're not among my sheep. So these Jews, they're wanting to know if Jesus is the Christ. Why? So that if he is, they can believe. Tell us plainly, they said. But Jesus reverses that order. Understanding, then belief. He says, my sheep hear my voice. And I know them. And they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. Jesus tells them that it isn't about understanding him that will bring salvation, but instead it's him calling them to believe. The shepherd comes to his sheep, calls them, collects them together, protects them, feeds them, tends to them. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores 
my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. No one will take them away. If they belong, they belong. And they will continue to follow. There's comfort for us in this. In our trials and our sorrows. In our weaknesses of faith and disbelief. It isn't about us understanding what God is doing or even where our Lord is. Instead, it is about being comfortable knowing that He has called us. And if He has called us, He will care for us. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. When sickness comes, God is still God. When temptation overwhelms us, Jesus is still Lord. When the church is empty, God our Father is still greater than all. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. He calls and those who belong to him, hear him and they follow That's what Jesus told Peter last week. After Peter affirmed his love for Jesus, the very last words of our reading last week, you remember? Jesus said to him, follow me. Follow me. That's what sheep do. They follow. Even if they don't know where the shepherd is going, they follow. We've heard that from Psalm 23. But we hear it again this morning from Revelation. For the Lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd, and He will guide them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Maybe we do know where the shepherd is going. I go to prepare a place for you. Beloved, God has called you. Why else would you come to his house to receive the gifts that he gives to his flock? Why else are you here? Do you have doubts? And this is where you should be. Do you have trouble and worries? Then this is where you should be. Do you have hurts and fears? This is where you should be. Because it is here that the real epiphany happens every Sunday. As God calls His people and gives to them His word of forgiveness, life, and salvation. He leads them beside still waters of baptism. And spreads before them a feast in the presence of their enemies. He feeds to you the one thing that has truly taken away your sins. Not a sacrifice of pigs that only brings more guilt and shame. Or a sacrifice of sheep that only atone for sins that have already been committed. But the sacrifice of His only begotten Son. The Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. That whosoever believes in Him will not perish. But will have eternal life. This is what Christ promises 
to you today. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. Friends, faith isn't easy. Someone tells you it's easy, they lied to you. Faith is hard. If it was easy, the whole world would believe. The whole world would be saved. But it isn't. Yet we have to take our God at his word. We have to trust that he is who he says he is and he will do what he says he will do. But we can always look back at what he has done for us. The Jews do this with the Passover and with Hanukkah. We do it with Christmas and with Easter, which are greater than any of the Jewish feasts because eternal salvation comes with them. But we also do it every Sunday where our God comes to us through word and sacrament. And if you're not here, you're missing it. Even if you're watching online or you're out fishing in a boat, you're missing it. It is through the means of grace, the things given in this place, that God promises to deliver His gifts. Friends, Christ Jesus has you in His nail-pierced hands. and He will not let anyone take you away. Trust Him. Even when things are hard, we take Him at His word. He is the true Epiphany. He is the true Emmanuel. He is the Good Shepherd. And he is risen. Just making sure you're still awake. Now may the peace that passes all understanding guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.